Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast, Season 2, Episode 14, with Robbie Nash. So I've got a bit of a treat for you all this week, and it came about rather short notice, and I never actually intended for it to be a podcast, but we were putting the latest issue of IK Surf Mag together, which will be online by the time you read this. So if you kite surf and you want to check it out, it's free. Just go to www.ikesurfmag.com and have a look. Anyway, we'd had a story lined up with Nash Kiteboarding, and it kind of fell through. And there's a throwaway comment with uh, Jenica, who does the marketing now. I was like, oh, maybe we could get an interview with Robbie. And getting any time with Robbie Nash is quite difficult as he's so busy and he's got a lot on his plate. And she kindly said she would ask him and see what he said. And Robbie amazingly emailed me straight back and was like, yep, let's have a chat tomorrow. So I hastily chucked some questions down on a bit of paper and prepared myself and it's always quite exciting talking to Robbie because he's been a hero of mine since I was about seven years old so I'm sort of in this situation where I kind of pinch myself that not only have I got Robbie Nash's phone number I'm phoning him up for a chat and a catch-up to put some content in the magazine something I could never have imagined when I was a seven-year-old windsurfer anyway we uh, talked for about 45 minutes and you know he kindly gave me um that much of his time i knew he had a meeting at 10 o'clock uh, 10 a.m and we started chatting at 9 15 um his time so i was kind of trying to get in as much as i could but at the same time it was just really nice to hear him chatting away quite openly and honestly about um the way the COVID-19 situation has affected himself and the business and how they've been doing and it's actually quite a positive story so it's well worth a listen. Anyway while we were chatting I thought this conversation is just too good to not turn into a podcast so I've emailed Robbie and asked him if that's okay. He's had a listen and he's checked that he hasn't said anything too outlandish which I assured him that he hadn't but um, it's a really candid and interesting conversation between the two of us. So I really hope you enjoy it. Um, I'm not going to waffle on too much more. I'm just going to get straight into it. As a caveat, I never normally do these over the phone. I really like talking to people face to face because I can control the audio and the inputs and the outputs. And obviously this was literally done through Skype on my laptop, um, recording it. So apologies if the audio is not as crisp and as clear as it usually is. But I guess for you guys listening in and girls, it's kind of like uh, eavesdropping on a telephone call with Robbie Nash, which is probably not a bad way to spend 45 minutes of your time. So without any further chat from me, let's get straight into it. We'll literally start it off as the telephone rings. Enjoy. Morning, Ru. How you doing? Hey, Robbie. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Good to hear from you. I haven't spoken to you for a little while. It was um, Tarifa at the Nash meeting last year, wasn't it? Very different times now. How's things been going for you as a business through all this craziness? You know, surprisingly, knock on wood, well, I think uh, somehow we we had positioned ourselves timing-wise you know, better than most of our competitors. My, um, my plan for the season was to launch earlier than we have been in the past. Yeah. And if you get into the, the details, the nuts and bolts of the business, a lot of our production 
you know, is obviously in China, and Chinese New Year is always a factor. And Chinese Chinese New Year moves around; it changes year to year. Yeah, and um, and tends to get longer and longer, you know, in terms of how long it disrupts production. And as a result, I had moved a lot of stuff forward this year. We had signed off on a lot of products substantially earlier than normal. You know, get our our samples done, get our photo shoot samples done, sign off on things, and started some of our key product lines to build stock before Chinese New Year. Yeah. And ship before Chinese New Year. And as a result, what happened is basically... There was Chinese New Year, and that went straight into COVID, which shut down Asia and anyone's ability to go there, shut down the factories. and So a lot of guys hadn't even finished their development yet, hadn't really signed up on product yet, and had no production and had no no stock. And, and we did. You know, we our photo shoot was really early. We shot through the whole beginning part of, of COVID. We were already shipping commercial stuff. So... You know, in the, in the kiteboarding side of things, we're pretty good in that respect. Because yeah. We are done with everything. It didn't affect us. A lot of our competitors within the industry they had to push things way back and are still, you know, especially the bigger guys like Boards and More, you know, they're not even launching a lot of their stuff until later in the year because of stock yeah. issues, et cetera. It's been a so, huge... You know, in that sense, we were, we were good. You know, we still thought, of course, business is going to be kind of dead, but at least a product. Yeah. But then what seemed to happen is people were not traveling, people were home, and at least in America, uh, you know, the crazy government giving everybody money, um, <laughs> there, there were a lot of people making more money sitting at home than they would normally do working, and so they were buying things, and we did a lot of direct-to-consumer business, but some of our key dealers in certain places were also doing a lot of business. So we we were, in fact, way, way up, um, well, are way, way up over last year domestically, but by, by exponential amounts because people were home, especially in, in the realm of, like, SUP, foiling, wing surfing, kite, kiting up a bit, but not as up as those other sports. You know, yeah. A lot of people where SUP has gone down and down and down for several years, it shot back up to basically as good as it ever was for us domestically. It's quite so incredible, isn't it? Side, when COVID hit, and you know, we had our industry calls with the GKA and stuff, and everybody trying to figure out what they're doing with their team, and it was pretty doomsday. You know, a lot of brands, you know, sequestering their, their athletes and laying their people off and putting them onto the government programs. And I was like, fuck, you know, we, we don't know where this is going to go. And I decided we're going to keep everybody on. So yeah. I, I didn't lay off any employees. Everyone, you know, got full salary whether they were able to work or not. We've kept all of our team riders on at full salary, you know, crossing our fingers that they could just, you know, find ways to, to promote. Yeah, and hope that in the end people, you know, are stoked with that, and it worked out. You know, we, we made it through just fine. Europe was obviously dead for quite a while as everyone was completely locked up at at home. Yeah, but once it once it did open up, you know, the not being able to travel had people home. I think spending money that uh, 
you know, they might have spent on, on travel or other things. And, you know, I think it gave a lot of people time on the internet to contemplate new gear, etc. Yeah. Spending more time watching videos and thinking about what they'd want to get rather than working all day. And so Europe came back quite strong as well. And so in the whole scope of how horrible it's been for everybody, um, from a business standpoint, it really has not been bad at all. In fact, you know, we're going to be well ahead of, of pre-COVID times. So it's amazing, it's isn't it? Good from yes, I mean, it's great for the industry, really, I think, because we had a lot of conversations with all of our partners uh, sort of at the end of March because we were launching a magazine and it was, you know, some of the conversations were just like, oh, we're 95% down on sales and no one knows where it's going to go. And it was just like, wow, you know, what's going to happen? And then it just seems like you're exactly right. All these people with cash in their pockets, nothing to do. They can't go anywhere. The bars are closed. The restaurants are closed, but they can go to the beach. And it just seems to have gone crazy. Like the amount of people hitting the water in Europe now is is bonkers and it's even for the travel companies a little bit you know people like um the low stag known place in Italy it's super busy but it's just local Italians going there because you can go on holiday in your own country you can't really travel between the countries at the moment and so yeah even for the the local businesses that were like you know I'm a travel business no one's going to travel to my spot but actually what's happened is you know People who live in the country are traveling to those spots. And yeah, I mean, it's just been a, an amazing turnaround. I think it was kind of two months of scariness over here. And then as soon as they opened the floodgates, it just went bonkers, which is fantastic yeah. for the industry. Yeah, it's good for people to stay at home and get on the water. Yeah, it focused a few people's minds, you know, people who've got kit in the garage and haven't used it in a while, but they've become focused on other things. And then suddenly when you tell a human being they can't do something, it kind of makes them want to do it even more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like you said, it dusts off the old gear and then they realize, wow, I need a new sail or man, I could use a new harness or whatever it is. So How's it been on, on Maui itself? Were you guys banned from hitting the water? Because obviously it's a pretty a pretty big water-focused island. Did they ever sort of stop you from going to the beaches or anything, or were you allowed to kite and surf the whole time? No, I mean, we, we were allowed the entire time to do, to do everything. There was a period of time where they closed the beach parks, um, but only access to the beach parks. You know, lifeguards were still there, and you could still go surf, kite, windsurf, whatever. You just couldn't park in the parking lot. So you yeah. had to park across the street and walk over. That, that was the worst that they thought. But in terms of restricting um, access, no, it's been better than ever because it's been uncrowded to a degree. You know, yeah. Very crowded with locals because no one at school and no one working. Yeah, so everyone's out. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, in terms of being able to get into the water and rise and do development and 
photo shoots and everything. It's been uh, it's been incredible. So it's amazing. Through, through the beginning of COVID, we couldn't really post because people were freaking out. You know, like, <laughs> I, I posted a session at La Perouse and start getting all this hate mail. Oh, you're taking hospital beds from people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like I can't eat eat ice cream. You better not eat ice cream either. And it's not really. You know, so out of respect, we kind of stopped posting anything on the water because we understood what people were going through in other parts of the world. Yeah. But here, nobody had. You know, on Maui, we had like one case, two cases, no one in the hospital. And it's only actually in the last couple of weeks now kind of gotten worse, um, you know, where there's like 100 cases on the water where you, there were like 17. Yeah. We, we, we still have a two-week quarantine if you leave or come to the islands when you come back you're stuck at home or your hotel room and can't leave for two weeks so there's not a lot of travel not a lot of way for the virus to get entrenched into the islands i was going to say that's the beauty of being an island right you can kind of close down your borders being a small island and make sure people quarantine and you can kind of manage it a lot better than you could if you're on the mainland yeah people can't just drive in you know when, when you get here we know when you got here and how you got here they've been quite quite you know strict at monitoring people and so the result of the economy is completely fucked yeah but we don't have much of it yeah i'm not sure which is better yeah <laughs> uh, but it is difficult it, it is what it is I guess there must be, like you say, with the um, you know all the rental cars, there must be so many hotel rooms that are empty, and just so many restaurants that no one's going to, and the whole thing's just kind of, you know, not getting any revenue in at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's catastrophic. Well, that's that's Democrats, that's politics. You know, it's the, the end result of making a giant political mess is way more important than anything else, even if it means basically killing the economy in the process. I, I think the virus is bad, but the, uh, the cure is much, much worse. Yeah, it does seem like everyone's going to be... In terms of the way it's been handled. Yeah. Like here, where tour, tourism is how we pay our bills in Hawaii. Yeah. And there's just... You know, hotels are, are closed, the rental car companies are closed, restaurants are closed, businesses are closed, most of the places in Paia are still boarded up, the malls are closed. And those are people that have no means to make any money at all. Yeah. And so the the pain and the, the real impact of it is going to be kicked downstream a bit. Where you know for the first few months, oh, we're all we're getting some government subsidy and so on and so forth. But it doesn't last forever. Government doesn't have any source of revenue other than taxation. And when no one's earning any money, there's no taxes either. Yeah. And so like the state of Hawaii that wants to spend itself into uh, a fix can't, you know, and you can only tax the few people that are earning money so much to pay for everybody else that isn't earning money before the, the whole system kind of implodes. And that's kind of where we're heading right now, unfortunately, is, you know, printing money and passing it out is not yeah it can't can't go on forever we're kind of at that situation in in europe now well in the uk they they did this really good furlough scheme where if you had a job and your company couldn't afford to pay you then the government just paid 80 percent of your wages you sat at home you know people were better off because they're not having to drive to work they're not having to buy food when they're out of work and they're sitting at home doing nothing for 80 percent. so they're kite surfing and surfing and mountain biking and enjoying themselves and that's just started to end now 
So, of course, there's been no redundancies here. So I know in the US there was a lot of, you know, jobs lost and stuff. We haven't had that in the UK. But, you know, as, as companies are asked to start paying the wages for these staff, but there's no business because, the you know, the economy's in the toilet, then that's when the redundancies come. So I think we're in a, an interesting kind of fork, as you like, where it's been all gravy, free money flying around for a while, but that's sort of stopping now. And, yeah, how that's going to affect us over here, I don't know. But... Hopefully, um, you know, not too much so in terms of the industry and kite surfing and water sports that can that can ride the wave. And I think as long as people can can go to the beach and they have access to the beach, then there's going to be that desire to want gear and to get out there and kite. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of uncharted territory. So. Yeah, definitely, really definitely that. The economic impact of it will be far more reaching and last longer than, than the initial yeah. impact. Um, you just need to be smart and conservative and flexible. And, you know, that's what we are. We don't have, you know, giant aspirations for conquering the universe by selling more gear than the other guy. We'll, we'll make what there's demand for. And like you say, there's always going to be people wanting to get out there. Yeah. So moving away from, you know, the political COVID status quo, which is obviously what everyone's talking about. But this year is your 25 year anniversary as a company, which is a hell of a landmark. Um, and I remember when, you know, you first kind of had the Nash boards with Mistral back in the day. And obviously, you know, it's been quite an incredible 25 years where you've picked some amazing sports that have become huge kite surfing stand-up paddling and things like that and now wing surfing which is just seems to be exploding at a rate i could never have believed over here in europe what's your um what's your proudest moment over the last 25 years do you think in terms of running the business well i mean the s25 designation is actually more of an internal thing because obviously we've been around a lot longer than that. Yeah, with the custom boards and things like that. Yeah, in 1979, uh, Nalu you know, the, the company that I formed to, to start Nash Sales Hawaii when we started doing sales, that's now 25 years old. So it was more of the Maui operation. Yeah. You know, as we're structured, is 25 years. The brand itself and, and making and selling stuff, obviously, much longer. Um but it's kind of the, the big production, I guess, isn't it? In terms of, you know, that was when you first sort of went full bore, you know, with large-scale production and things. Yeah, beyond custom stuff. Yeah. Um, probably the fact that we made it this long. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of fun, learned a lot, you know, we've... We've made some cool stuff over the years, like you said, for different sports, been in the right place at the right time, and have been very lucky many times over, you know, whether it be with windsurfing or kitesurfing or stand-up or foiling or now winging, and, you know, kind of at the leading edge of a lot of fun stuff that not only do I enjoy riding it, but it's been neat being part of things that have enriched a lot of other lives as well. Yeah, um, and then we haven't ever tripped over our own feet so badly that we we didn't make it back up. So, and I'm, pr- I'm proud of that that we made it this far, being independent. Um, you know, obviously undercapitalized, cash based. Never, never asked for money. Never borrowed money. Never 
Um, never sold out. So it's been a, an interesting journey, not always pleasant. Yeah. Um, but rewarding and, you know, right when you think things are going to get a little stale, something new comes along. So yeah. All these challenges. And yeah, still, still loving getting on the water, playing with all the stuff we make. So that's the main thing. <laughs> well, there's been some pretty big challenges over the years. You know, 2008 financial crash. You know the, what we're going through now. So I think that resilience as a as a business is, you know, a testament to the team and to yourself and to the way you're you're running things. And like you say, by not having that investor, it means that when the chips are a bit down, it's not like you've got someone knocking on your deal door asking for all the money back. It's buck stops with you, I guess. So you've got that control. Yeah, it gives us a bit of freedom to play things as we want. How do you feel the, the company's changed over the years? You know, is it a very different beast now to what it was, say, you know, 20 years ago? Or, you know, have you always kind of had similar numbers of people working for you and has it kind of stayed fairly constant? Or has it been changing quite a bit? No, we've slowly grown. We're still, I mean, a lot smaller than what most people would imagine when they think of the brand. I think our, our footprint is much bigger than the reality of, of our structure. Yeah. But we've had to grow as our sports have grown. You know, as we, you know, when it was just windsurfing sales, it was pretty simple. Um, yeah. When it was just windsurfing sales and kites, it was still pretty simple. <laughs> we've run through our entire product line now, just logistically, between everything for windsurfing and everything for kiteboarding, and foiling, and SAP. Yeah, it's just you crazy. Know, just all the, yeah, all the various things that we do. We may not sell a lot of many of those things, but the, the amount of work to have them and to make the tech sheets and to put it into production and to manage the stock. So we've, we've grown in terms of admin, we've grown in terms of engineers, uh, especially the art department. You know, there's a lot of turnover there and, and it has grown because we, we still do all our own in-house graphics, marketing, advertising, web, etc. We're You've had quite a few changes to the Nash team, certainly on the kite side of things recently. Are you kind of happy with where it is now? It feels like you've got a very young team, but you've got guys like Stig, um, who's amazing, by the way. We work with him quite a bit, and he's a really nice lad, and he's super keen. And then, you know, Helena and um, Christoph and people like that coming on board. Has that been quite tough to sort of manage, or has it just kind of happened naturally, or is it something that you've been sort of pushing for, for a, a bit of change in a younger team to look, bring a bit of fresh blood to the to the operation? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't, at least I try not to have direct management over the team you know i still look at myself as an athlete and i don't like to talk to the writers about money and stuff so behind the scenes obviously i am but i have my team manager guys and and whatnot deal directly with the team yeah but i've been pushing to 
get some changing in the guard for a while, you know, to keep things fresh. You can tend to get stale in a sport that evolves and, and changes as fast as something like kiteboarding. Um, you know, there's a lot of people kiting these days that didn't kite five years ago. They didn't yeah. kite ten years ago. Uh, they don't know the history of Nash, Cabrina, Duotone, F1, or whatever the fuck brand it is. They're just, they got into the sport and all these brands are there. What's the difference? You know, whoever the local hotshot at the beach is or whoever is in the sh- local shop pushing whichever brand, you know, that's what you're going to polarize to. And you need to keep things fresh. And uh, I felt for a while we had kind of stagnated a little bit. We're really good guys. But, um, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just felt, and, and so did Des, who handles most of the, the direct contact with the team guys now, together with Scott Trudon. You know, felt, yeah, let's go ahead and try and get some, some more young, fresh, pushing guys. And it happened, fortunately, at the same time that our R&D was kind of getting some fresh blood as well. And so the result is, it's not like our our designer is 20 years old. You know, my head engineer, Brian Dennis is, how old he is, but he's, he's late forties. Yeah. And and Alex King is an incredible engineer. He's in his mid twenties. He's young. And then with all these young team riders that are just frothing that, you know, you, you give them an opportunity and they're stoked and they take the ball and run with it. They don't want to, well, you've been doing something a long time and you've been really successful at it. You're not as hungry to like get in your car and drive to another country and go do a demo or yeah, uh, go test something or you know you just don't have that stoked. That, oh, there's wind, the trees are moving. I'm heading to the beach. You know, you sure you still love to ride, but there's not that the drug in your veins that makes you want to breathe and dream nothing but kiting. Yeah, and I think it's important to have at least a good percentage of your team guys in that stage of the sport where they are pushing the limits, pushing themselves and their love and passion for it is contagious. Yeah. They're totally addicted and you know, that's all they want to do is kite, kite, kite. And good, you know, and good people that still represent the brand and the sport well, that are outgoing and talk to people that are smiling and, you know, not just down taking videos of themselves and then leaving. Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? this day and age can breed different kinds of athletes and it's a difficult sort of uh, world to navigate through right now with the whole self-promotion thing with social media and you can get completely you know overwhelmed with that and it becomes your entire universe what's my next post and you're completely disconnected with everything except your online presence and we don't want that either we want guys that are out there sharing the passion for the sport and hopefully in the process stoking people uh, onto the Nash gear. And that's happening right now. The, the energy that we have within the brand right now, not just in kiting, but overall, is refreshing. You know, not that we had a bad team before. You know, we, we've had really good guys all along. My R&D has been great. I'm not by any means uh, putting down anything that we've had historically. But right now, we just seem to be in a really good position in terms of fresh energy and stoke and kind of that renewed passion that comes with um, some fresh blood. Yeah. 
Which is good. How about for yourself? Like, what do you decide to do when you go down the beach these days? Obviously, you are big into the windsurfer, but I've seen a few windsurfing videos crop up on your social media. So, are you kind of getting back into that, or are you just looking at the beach and saying, "Right, it's these kind of conditions. That's what I'm going to do." Yeah, it's really based on the conditions. I mean, a lot of it is based on what we're testing, developing at the moment because we have different you know, timelines for different things within the arsenal of, of products that we produce. Yep. And so these days there's less just writing for fun and a little more always kind of testing something, um, which is also fun. But, you know, behind the fun, I, I've got this format or this back wing or this balloon yep. or this sail or a different fin or something that I'm trying out. And then, you know, trying to balance out the promotional side of it as well, because it seems that if people within any one of the sports see me personally uh, waning in participation, it still has an effect on the business, yeah. at least the image of the business. So I, I try not to take too much of a, a visual break from any one sport. Yeah, you know, it's it's just important important for the brand and then for for Robbie Nash, quote unquote, as as well. Like um, trying to trying to juggle and balance the, the different sports. I mean, right now I'm doing an awful lot of, of wing foiling um, because it's it's new, it's exciting, it's it's developing incredibly fast, and the stuff that I'm able to do on that right now compared to what I was able to do just a short time ago. It's pretty amazing, and obviously there's there's business potential there as well that is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but it's there's always something new, right? So we're always always having fun, depending on if we have wind or waves or onshore or offshore or big or small. There's there's so much between the different sports that I enjoy. There's not enough time in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I kind of you know there's. There's times of year where I'm at Hokipa a lot windsurfing because the conditions are good. And then there's other times of year, like I haven't been out there in several, shit, several months because it's just been crap, right? So I've been solemn sailing. Yeah. And I've been kiting, you know, kiting flat water because we've been doing a lot of kite testing recently. And so you know, a lot of quick kite sessions, just testing this kite against that kite and this board against that board because I'm doing the new, you know, trying to get as much feedback from this year's S25 stuff because I'm obviously already well into S26. Yeah, yeah, in terms of testing, you're always ahead, aren't you? So, yeah, a lot, a lot of time on the water personally doing everything. Where do you feel that wingsurfing fits in with kiting and windsurfing? Is it... Is it kind of there to complement it, do you think? Or is it going to take a lot of riders out of one sport and into the new sport? How do you kind of see it um, panning out? You know, I, I look at it the same way I did kiting and windsurfing and SUP to kiting and windsurfing. It's, they all complement each other. To me, they're, they're all surfing in different ways. Um, and for the people that have the means, they're going to add wing surfing to you know to the to list of things that they do for people that don't i think um it's a very cool addition because 
like if you kind of, if, you, if you look at right now, Maui is a really good example because obviously, you know, I started doing it here and promoting it early on. So yeah. the, the Maui wing surfing market is the most developed and mature of, of any market in the world. I've been out there for geez, a couple of years already. Yeah. I used to be the only guy. Harbor. I'd go to Kahului Harbor to develop my stuff and test where nobody could see me, right? And then I'd go to Kanaha and people would go, wow, that's kind of cool and look at it, <laughs> funny. You go down there now, Kahului Harbor will have 20 to 40 beginners every day. Wow. It went from being my secret spot to being the beginner wing spot. Yeah. You go to Kanaha right now with no tourists, no COVID, just locals. I used to be the only wing surfer out there, me, Mickey Schweiger, you know, a couple of other people. Now, if you go down there at noon, there will be 10, 15 kiters, yep. 20 kiters maybe, 5 to 10 wind surfers, and 15 to 30 wing surfers. Wow. And there are times when you go out there and it's all wing surfers. And a lot of them are coming in not from wind sports. They're, they're surfers, they're kids, a lot of kids. My daughter, who's 13, and all her friends are doing it. Yeah, it seems super popular um, with the groms and stuff. I guess it doesn't yeah, have that danger uh, factor uh, of a kite, right? Um, so the wind surfers are crossing over, a lot of them, a lot of surfers, people that you know, historically weren't into wind sport. The, the kiters are kind of the last guys to cross over because if you're already kiting in a place where you've got the conditions and you've got the space, you're already out there. You know, kiting's pretty damn rad. Yeah. Right? Um, wing surfing's a little mowing the lawn compared to that, but there are kiters as well there that are getting into it and loving it. Like if you look at Greg Drexler, right? Greg Drexler, who used to work for me. Yeah. Uh, started cloud kites. I don't think he's kited in six months. And I, I talked to him a couple of days ago, and he, he told me that. I, I wow. just said, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us this sport. I'm having so much fun, loving it so much. I don't think I've kited in six months. But he's just winging. And a lot of guys are doing that, getting into it. And it's, it's kiting simplified to a certain degree. You're never going to get the huge air. You're not going to have certain, certain feelings that you get from kiting, that whole, you know, like, like a kid, yeah, catching yourself to a kite and flying in the air. But there's beauty in the simplicity of of winging, and there is no more fun way to mow the lawn. Ever. <laughs> just if you're just a back and forth guy, this is so compelling, and you can do it in any wind. I mean, really light wind. It's simple, you know. You know, there's. For places that have access issues, crappy, gusty wind, where kiting's yeah, not great, this is better. Yeah. Um, if you want a foil, I think this is the best foiling there is. Uh, I love windsurf foiling. Uh, I, I like kite foiling, don't love it. I love wing foiling. Like from a racing standpoint, you know, like for the Olympics, wind windsurf foiling and kite foiling, they're super cool. When I see kite foil races that's insane i mean that really gets me like i get it yeah if i lived in a light place i would be doing that because it's absolutely as high performance as you can get but from a, a level playing field
field getting out there and, and loving racing. I think winging in the future is going to be huge. Yeah. So they go hand in hand. I mean, again, you're going to have guys like me that still do everything. You're going to have people that get into winging and seem to stop doing everything else. All they want to do is wing, and I see that here. Um, so it's, it's a compliment, and for others it's going to be everything. So it yeah. really depends. Kind of like kite. You know, a lot of people still come in surfing all together, got into kiting. Other people still like to kind of do different different things. Some people are, no, I, I'm going to windsurf until, until I die. That's it. I don't need anything else. Yeah, never going to so, change. But, yeah, but from, from seeing what's happening here with, you know, 80-year-olds doing it and 30-year-olds doing it and 10-year-olds doing it, uh, it's very, very big. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly seems to be taking off here in a way that I couldn't really predict before i kind of i've tried it obviously i tried it actually the first time i tried it was with you guys which must have been two years ago in tarifa and it was awesome fun you know and i I actually i got it and i really enjoyed it and i thought wow this is this is really good fun but then i didn't have the opportunity to try it again tried it again in madagascar with the f1 guys and the conditions were just you know it was 45 knots and they had this tiny board and wasn't any good for me to get up on and then since then i've been back doing it and it is like you say it's a really fun way to kind of mow the lawn and it opens up a lot of different conditions and spots as well we've got an estuary near us where you can kite but it's really gusty and really hard whereas with the wing you don't notice those gusts so much because you can sheet it out and exactly. sheet it in you've got that control it's kind of like the control of a windsurfer in gusty conditions but you know you, you've got a kite in your hands i guess that's the that's what it is isn't it yeah, it kind of combines the, the, the feeling of both. But the main thing is the very fast learning curve. You know, you can learn it so quickly. That I think that's appealing to people. Yeah. You know, it, it's not going to be any huge wave sport. Sure, there's going to be guys that go do it in the waves. And yeah, you can jump. It's, it's never going to be like king of the air. Yeah. But uh, in terms of sailing, I mean, I, I look at it as like, it's, it's like windsurfing in the early days. Yeah. Um, pretty cool way to just go flying across the water in, in normal accessible conditions yeah just something fun to do and another tool to have in your arsenal i guess of ways to enjoy the ocean yeah um last question for you robbie because i know you've got to get on and you've got a meeting at 10 but you've been you know kind of like the front of the nash brand for so long now and you've had to excel at all these different sports from windsurfing to kite surfing, sup, um, and now wing surfing. Do you ever get tired of being, you know, Robbie Nash and having to be that persona on the beach and when you're meeting people? Or, you know, is it still just as much fun for you as it was in those early days? Yeah, I think much fun now as, as it ever was um, I get tired of the business side I get, I get tired of having that underlying kind of stress Yeah. Um, I never get tired of riding and going to the beach and, and sharing that stoke with people that's why I started doing it in the first place Yeah. and I'd like to at some stage hopefully sooner than later before I get too old you know, get back to where I, I'm not really stressed on the business side at all yeah. Um, you know, like I, I used to be able to just not really give a shit. I'm <laughs> old enough now where I kind of have to give a shit. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's about riding. I love it. 
you know, I love taking my freaking 10 8 Nalu single fin stand up outboard and going to the south side and riding waist high waves. That's still so much fun to me. Um, I love just, you know, being out in the water on a board, no matter what kind of board it is, and sharing that stoke with people. And I, I think that I'm pretty good at. I don't know if I'm really very good at anything else. <laughs> um, I'm not a great businessman. I'm not, I don't have any other great skill set. I'm socially not that, you know, not that gifted. I'm kind of a loner, but I love to share the stoke of, of surfing with people. It's, in it's various nuances, whether it's kiting or windsurfing or foiling or whatever. I'm, I'm good at that. And uh, I still love it. I guess that's awesome that you've managed to create such an astounding career around it, really. Um, which you have, you know, and that's a testament, I guess, to your passion and your skills and your ability with all of these sports to actually, you know, inspire so many people to get involved and to really become passionate about it like you are. Yeah, I'm sharing the stoke. It's that's what it's about. I mean, that's probably why I'm still doing it is that's still the reason I'm doing it. I never changed. It's not I was never doing it to be the best. I was never I never had some goal to achieve to to win some title. I, I wasn't out to you know, make a million dollars and then I'm going to go become a motorcycle racer or a golfer or, you know, have a, really wanted a plumbing business someday. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. And there's never been a plan. It's just been hopefully continuing down that path of loving what I do and being able to keep doing it. So far, my body's allowed me to keep doing it, you know, a couple bumps in the road, but um, injuries heal and get back to your new 100% and uh, hopefully I'll be able to keep doing it for a while. Awesome. Robbie, that's been fantastic. I think I've got plenty there to um, come up with a good article for this issue. So thank you so much for giving me your time. I know it's very precious and I know how busy you are. So I really appreciate that. No, you're very welcome. I mean, if you want just something specifically, like some people wonder if I'm just like in the background counting money or if I'm really like involved. <laughs> and I'm really involved. Like I'm, I test every kite, I test every bar. I mean, most people don't know that like I actually design all the directionals. I don't do the twin tips because that would be a farce because I don't ride twin tips. But yeah. you know, if you go through our line of directionals where the global, the gecko is carbon, the strapless one, the skater, I do all of them. And um, so that's kind of cool for people to know that. Yeah. Actually yeah. I mean, I think it's, in the, in the you're one of the, I mean, you're one of the few people in the industry who runs a brand who, who does that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have quite a lot of respect for you. Um, you know, I guess Raphael Sal over at F1 would be another one, but then you've got a lot of brands where, you know, the top guys aren't really doing that and they're more of a businessman with, you know, um, shareholders and things rather than actually just getting involved and getting their hands dirty and I think it's that passion and you know the the stoke for riding new gear and trying different things and testing the equipment and wanting to sell something that you believe in to to your customers that that separates you know you guys and people like Raphael from from some of the other brands out there yeah no doubt yeah Ralph has been there as well since the beginning still on the water which is important yeah yeah i think that's the thing isn't it it's like 
if you look at the people who spend you know large amounts of time on the water that are running the brands then you know they've generally got some pretty solid products behind them because you know you want to ride something that's really good so you're going to be working on it making sure the prototypes are good and you know making sure that everything's as you'd want it to be when you sell it to someone rather than leaving that to someone else to do and not really worrying about it too much and just making sure that the money's coming in on the business end um and yeah i think that's good i'm really looking forward to testing some of the new gear i'm gonna um after this call get in touch with jenica and see what we can arrange to get um on test over here in the uk because it's uh we're not going to be traveling anywhere anytime soon are we that's the, the big shame yeah true yeah lots of doing some stuff over there makes it tough um, Yeah, that's great, Robert. It's brilliant. Well, we just literally just got off the water. So we were kiting. I've just moved to Wales uh, in the southwest of England. Mary and I got a place here. We've just been working on it. We just got in when lockdown happened. So first week of lockdown, we somehow managed to move house and then been dealing with this new place. And it's, um, it's like 20 minutes to one of the best surf beaches in the UK. So we were literally down there. It was like double overhead, huge waves, super gnarly conditions. And I was like, I've got to get off the water because I've got this call with Robbie and I need to be at home and I need to get some questions sorted and get it done. <laughs> but I thought if ever there's a man that wouldn't mind if I was five minutes late for an interview because I've been on the water, it would be yourself. But um, but fortunately... The- yeah, it was good. But fortunately, the traffic was great. So we got back fine. So I was I was there on time. So I'm pleased to make that happen. But yeah, thanks ever so much for your time, Robbie. And I look forward to um, having a beer somewhere with you soon and catching up again, I'm sure. All right. There you go. You got my mobile number. So if you ever need anything, or, you know, just text me. Okay, Get awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. I'll speak soon. Cheers, buddy. Bye. There we have it, a surprise episode 14. Uh, I hadn't planned on putting one of those out this week. I've been incredibly busy with the magazine, but as I said, it was just too good an opportunity to miss. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please remember to share these with people. The more people that listen to them, the more inspired I am to record more episodes. It's a little bit tricky at the moment. Obviously, we can't travel. I have got a couple of episodes in the bank that I'll be looking at and getting out over the next few weeks. So keep your ears peeled and there should be some new content coming up for you soon. Until the next time, you've been listening to me, Rue Chater, and the Intriguing Beings podcast.